Chapter Two: The Precipice. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Precipice by Elia Wilkinson Petey. Chapter Two: What Silver Tree? She hadn't realized how the time had been flying, but there was the sawmill. She could hear the whir and buzz and there was the old livery stable and the place where farm implements were sold and the little harness shop jammed in between and there to convince her no mistake had been made was the lozenge of grass with silver tree on it in white stones then in a second the station appeared with the buses backed up against it and beyond them the familiar surrey with a woman in it with yearning eyes kate the specialized student of psychology the graduate with honors who had learned to note contrasts and weigh values forgot everything even her umbrella and leaped from the train while it was still in motion forgotten the honors and degrees the majors were mere minor affairs and there remained only the things which were from the beginning she and her mother sat very close together as they drove through the familiar village streets when they did speak it was incoherently there was an odor of briar roses in the air and the sun was setting in a bed of daffodil sky kate felt waves of beauty and tenderness breaking over her and wanted to cry her mother wanted to and did neither trusted herself to speak but when they were in the house mrs barrington pulled the pins out of kate's hat and then kate took the faded gentle woman in her strong arms and crushed her to her your father was afraid he wouldn't be home in time to meet you said mrs barrington when they were in the parlor where the dresden vases stood on the marble mantel and the rose jar decorated the three-sided table in the corner it was just his luck to be called into the country if it had been a really sick person who wanted him i wouldn't have minded but it was only Venie sampson still having fits asked kate cheerfully as one glad to recognize even the chronic ailments of a familiar community well she thinks she has them said mrs barrington in an easy gossiping tone but my opinion is that she wouldn't be troubled with them if only there were some other way in which she could call attention to herself you see Venie was a very pretty girl has that made her an invalid mummy well it's had something to do with it when she was young she received no end of attention but some way she went through the woods and didn't even pick up a crooked stick but she got so used to being the center of interest that when she found herself growing old and plain she couldn't think of any way to keep attention fixed on her except by having these collapses you know you mustn't call the attacks fits Venie's far too refined for that kate smiled broadly at her mother's distinctive brand of humor she loved it all miss sampson's fits her mother's jokes even the fact that when they went out to supper she sat where she used in the old days when she had worn a bib beneath her chin oh the plates the cups the everything cried kate ridiculously lifting a piece of best china to her lips and kissing it absurdity reproved her mother but she adored the girl's extravagance just the same everything's glorious kate insisted cream cheese and parsley did you make it mummy currant rolls oh the wonders martha underwood don't dare to die without showing me how to make those currant rolls veal loaf now what do you think of that why at foster we went hungry sometimes not for lack of quantity of course but because of the quality 
i used to be dreadfully ashamed of the fact that there we were dozens of us women in that fine hall and not one of us with enough domestic initiative to secure a really good table i tried to head an insurrection and to have now one girl and now another supervise the table but the girls said they hadn't come to college to keep house yes yes chimed in her mother excitedly that's where the whole trouble with college for women comes in they don't only don't go to college to keep house but most of them not to keep it when they come out we allowed you to go merely because you overbore us you used to be a terrible little tyrant katie almost as bad as she brought herself up suddenly as bad as whom mummy there was a step on the front porch and mrs barrington was spared the need for answering there's your father she said signalling kate to meet him dr barrington was tall spare and grizzled the torpor of the little town had taken the light from his eyes and reduced the tempo of his movement but in spite of all he had preserved certain vivid features of his personality he had the long educated hands of the surgeon and the tyrannical aspect of the physician who has struggled all his life with disobedience and perversity he returned kate's ardent little storm of kisses with some embarrassment but he was unfeignedly pleased at her appearance and as the three of them sat around the table in their old juxtaposition his face relaxed however kate had seen her mother look up wistfully as her husband passed her as if she longed for some affectionate recognition of the occasion but the man missed his opportunity and let it sink into the limbo of unimproved moments well father we have our girl home again mrs barrington said with pardonable sentiment well we've been expecting her haven't we dr barrington replied not ill-naturedly but with a marked determination to make the episode matter-of-fact indeed we have smiled mrs barrington but of course it couldn't mean to you frederick what it does to me a mother's dr barrington raised his hand never mind about a mother's love he said decisively if you had seen it fail as often as i have you'd think the less said on the subject the better women are mammal i admit maternal they are not save in a proportion of cases did you have a pleasant journey down kate he had the effect of shutting his wife out of the conversation of definitely snubbing and discountenancing her kate knew it had always been like that though when she had been young and more passionately determined to believe her home the best and dearest in the world as children will she had overlooked the fact had pretended that what was a habit was only a mood and that if father was cross to-day he would be pleasant to-morrow now he began questioning kate about college her instructors and her friends there was conversation enough but the man's wife sat silent and she knew that kate knew that he expected her to do so custard was brought on and mrs barrington diffidently served it her husband gave one glance at it curded he said succinctly pushing his plate from him it's a pity it couldn't have been right kate's first night home kate thought there had been so much that was not right her first night home that a spoiled confection was hardly worth comment i'm dreadfully sorry mrs barrington said i suppose i should have made it myself but i went down to the train that didn't take all afternoon did it i was doing things around the house putting flowers in my room i know mummy broke in kate 
and polishing up the silver toilet bottles the beauties you're one of those women who pet a home and it shows i can tell you you don't see many homes like this do you dad so ladylike and briar rosy she leaned smiling across the table as she addressed her father offering him not the ingratiating and seductive smile which he was accustomed to see women his wife among the rest employ when they wished to placate him kate's was the broad smile of a comradely fellow-creature who asked him to play a straight game it made him take fresh stock of his girl he noted her high oval brow around which the dark hair clustered engagingly her flexible rather large mouth with lips well but not seductively arched and her clear skin with its uniform tinting such beauty as she had it was far from negligible would endure she was quite five feet ten inches he estimated with a good chest development and capable shoulders her gestures were free and suggestive of strength and her long body had the grace of flexibility and perfect unconsciousness all of this was good but what of the spirit that looked out of her eyes it was a glance to which the man was not accustomed feminine yet unafraid beautiful but not related to sex the physician was not able to analyze it though where women were concerned he was a merciless analyst gratified yet unaccountably disturbed he turned to his wife martha has forgotten to light up the parlor he said testily can't you impress on her that she's to have the room ready for us when we've finished in here she's so excited about kate's coming home said mrs barrington with a placatory smile perhaps you'll light up to-night frederick no i won't i began work at five this morning and i've been going all day it's up to you and martha to run the house the truth is said mrs barrington neither martha nor i can reach the gasolier dr barrington had the effect of pouncing on this statement that's what's the matter then he said you forgot to get the tapers i heard martha telling you last night that you were out a flush spread over mrs barrington's delicate face as she cast about her for the usual subterfuge and failed to find it in that moment kate realized that it had been a long program of subterfuges with her mother subterfuges designed to protect her from the onslaughts of the irritable man who dominated her i like the gas mummy she said gently let them be one of my fixed duties from now on you'll spoil your mother kate said the doctor with a whimsical intonation his jesting about what had so marred the hour of reunion brought a surge of anger to kate's brain that's precisely what i came home to do sir she said significantly what other reason could i have for coming back to silvertree the town certainly isn't enticing you've been doctoring here for forty years but you haven't been able to cure the local sleeping sickness yet it stung and she meant it to to insult silvertree was to hurt the doctor in his most tender vanity it was one of his most fervid beliefs that he had selected a growing town conspicuous for its enterprise in his young manhood he had meant to do fine things he was public-spirited charitable a death-fighter of courage and persistence though not a religious man he had one holy passion that of the physician 
He respected himself and loved his wife, but he had from boyhood confused the ideas of masculinity and tyranny. He believed that women needed discipline, and he had by little destroyed the integrity of the woman he would have most wished to venerate. That she could, in spite of her manifest cowardice and moral circumventions, still pray nightly and read the book that had been the light to countless faltering feet, furnished him with food for acrid sarcasm. He saw in this only the essential furtiveness, inconsistency, and superstition of the female. The evening dragged. The neighbors who would have liked to visit them refrained from doing so because they thought the reunited family would prefer to be alone that first evening. Kate did her best to preserve some tattered fragments of the amenities. She told college stories, talked of Lena Vroom and of beautiful Honora Fulham, hinted even at Ray McCrae, and by dint of much ingenuity wore the evening away. In the morning, she said to her father as she bade him good night, we'll both be rested. She had meant it for an apology, not for herself, any more than for him, but he assumed no share in it. Up in her room, her mother saw her bedded, and kissing her, whispered, Don't oppose your father, Kate. You'll only make me unhappy. Anything for peace, that's what I say. End of chapter 2 Read by Mary Schneider